Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, you know. actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no me on Chad. You know, yeah, I got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. You know you all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that, stuff. That, that. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad for a minute but it's may 5th 2015 man the year is flying by we're uh, almost halfway through this thing nevertheless it's a tuesday edition of the gridiron stud show and it's going to be a recruiting gridiron stud show today so we're going to talk recruiting and uh, you're welcome to call in with any questions that you may have about recruiting there are plenty of people out there that are asking questions about recruiting it's the spring recruiting period so that means Especially down here in Florida, college coaches are out and about trying to find talent, handing out offers, and jotting down the names of prospects. So always a good time for me to come out and have a show like this and also answer some questions that uh, both prospects and parents alike uh, may have about the entire recruiting process. Parents tend to get quite confused and overwhelmed by the entire process, which gets to be more and more complicated each year um, and uh, requires some kind of consultation to some to a certain degree if uh, you want to do this right and that's something that we do offer at gridironstuds.com not only do we have a website where you can go on and uh, as a recruit or even a youth football player you can go on and create uh, register and create a profile of yourself with all of the uh, relevant information academic and athletic you can even put Stats on there. We uh, relaunched the site last month, uh, and it's 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 promising to be a site that takes the industry by storm. So much information that you could uh, enter in there and really get control of your entire recruiting process. And we also have a, a, an element in there where fans can be involved in the recruiting process because. Let's face it, college football is driven by the fans, and they are getting a bigger and bigger voice every year thanks to social media. 
whether you like it or not, fans uh, have a lot to say and have a lot to do with what's going on in college football, whether that is the actual gameplay or, you know, even who gets fired. But uh, certainly um, certainly it has also to do, uh, a lot to do in the recruiting process. And so uh, the new Gridiron Studs involves the uh, fans in the recruiting process. But more importantly, for those listening right now, if you're a re- a prospect or a youth football player, you have an opportunity to go on there and not only add information about yourself, but also uh, put your highlight video on there. Now, let yourself be seen. Have fans see you uh, and, and you know, check you out. See what you got. And so, uh, again, gridironstuds.com will go there. And apart from just having the website, we do offer premium recruiting services, uh, and that's consultation. That is providing evaluations for you. That is getting information directly out to our college football contacts. So we have uh, plenty of that available for you to give you some assistance in the recruiting process and it's something we've been, uh, I've been doing here for six years. And I'm certainly an individual that you can trust that's going to um, go the extra mile to have you get seen by the uh, college program. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, apart from just putting your profile up on our site, you can certainly contact me, C. Wilson, at gridironstuds.com, and we could talk about the recruiting process and what your needs are and what we can provide for you. Okay, uh, so the college coaches are down here. You may have seen them at your practice. If you haven't seen them at your practice, probably making you a little nervous. But, uh, you know, have no fear. If you're really a great player, um, you know, there's a chance that you would be seen. Um, sometimes at a certain places you do need to be an elite player for that to happen. And, you know, we do need to be honest. There are some schools where you're just not going to have very many college coaches come by. When I first started coaching high school football, I was at Archbishop McCarthy and Davey, uh, a fairly new high school, uh, and certainly not taking high school football by storm. And uh, I was, you know, I was there for one spring and, I think I remember one FBS Division One school coming through there. It was Ole Miss, and it was uh, Art Kehoe, the current offensive line coach at the University of Miami, uh, came there to see um, a couple of prospects that we had. We had some good football players there. I don't know how many Division One uh, or FBS players we had, but uh, we had very good football players on the team. And uh, from that, only saw one FBS school come through. You had a couple of uh, Division One AA or FCS schools come through, and some Division Two schools. Not a whole bunch, but uh, you know, and certainly that's a hard situation for a prospect who wants to play college football to go through. And this is currently happening um, in many places. And let's face it, these college coaches can't get to every school in the country. So sometimes you do need the assistance of a recruiting service to alert a college coach or a college program that there is a certain player at a certain school to try and get them over there and uh, check out the prospect. Otherwise, you could be sitting there in the corner of the county and uh, you never get seen. And um, Again, that's a difficult situation, uh, but there are resources out there for you outside of, outside of uh, transferring, which is a big deal down here in the state of Florida, especially South Florida. A bunch of transfers going on. I was talking about this with a couple of college coaches yesterday that you 
really need a cheat sheet if you're a college coach coming down here because players switch schools like like you know the wind down here. One moment you're at one school, next moment you're at another school, and it gets to be difficult for some of these college coaches to keep up with all of the moves that are happening. And that's real. You know, you have college coaches that are showing up on a campus and bumping in to a kid on that campus that they were going to see at another school. That's real deal happening. They're walking through the hallway and see a kid that they were going to see at another school at the school that they're currently at. Or you'll have, in the case of uh, one coach I was talking to yesterday, he came to a school to see some prospects, left that particular school to go to another school, only to get over to the other school and find out that the kids he came there to see were actually at the last school he just came from. So imagine that complete rat race. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit crazy down here in South Florida. I don't know how it is. Uh, in other parts of the country, I kind of know in some places, but by and large, uh, you know, it can't be crazier in terms of high school kids transferring. It can't be crazier than it is in South Florida. It's it's out of this world. And the major reason for the transfers, chasing college football offers. It's not to win championships. It's not that. That's a small part of it for the majority of the folks transferring. It is about trying to get college football offers because, of course, everyone feels they're worthy of such things. Everybody wants to go D1. So part of what we're going to talk about on the show today is the difference between FBS, FCS, and Division II. And for the older group wondering what FBS and FCS is, uh, for that group, that's, we're talking Division One, 1AA, which is now called FCS, and then Division Two. Because you have folks out there that want to turn their nose up to Division One uh, AA offers, they want to turn their nose up to Division Two offers, and you need to understand that there's good football being played at those levels, and you still do have an opportunity to be seen by NFL programs. And oh yeah, there's a whole education that you're going to get there for free uh, if you end up being a prospect for one of these schools. So when you're talking about something that's going to cost $50,000 a year on average, and I'm talking about a college education, when you have an opportunity to get something that costs $50,000 per year for free, I don't know that you should be turning your nose up to it. Because quite frankly, if someone came up to you and offered you an SUV that you know is about $50,000 a year, and they're telling you you're going to get this for free, I don't think you would be turning it away. And I'm just concerned that I, I think some of our parents out there are just not getting it and are don't hold a whole lot of value for a college education. I'm getting the sense that some of the prospects and the parents of the prospects are of the mindset that those degrees are not worth the paper that they're written on. And that's tragical, if I can use such a word. Tragedy, if that's how you're thinking, because that is not the case. And your college education is what you make it. True, you can go to college and get yourself a degree and can't do anything with it. But your college degree is like anything else in life. It is exactly what you make it. Now, if you go to a college and you make it a point, number one, to learn, but even more important, to network with the proper people while you're there and try to move outside the circle of just your football teammates who all think they're going pro and are going to be scrambling around for a real career 
when only one half of 1% make it into the league and spend any amount of time there. It is in your best interest to move outside of that circle and start talking to people who are career-minded on campus. Yeah, and that means some of the geeks. Might be that guy on the skateboard. Might be that guy that you see in a tie every day. Some of your teammates might see you talking to that individual and you know make fun of you and talk you right out of a good idea. Because that kid in the tie or the kid on the skateboard could be the next CEO of a very, very important company down the road. And wouldn't it be great to be able to call that person a personal friend of yours? Wouldn't it be great for you to say that you were personal friends with a Steve Jobs? Or a Bill Gates? Or a Warren Buffett? Or a Sam Walton? Or the sons of those individuals who are walking around some of these campuses. They're career-minded. They're thinking first about what you're thinking second about. And the truth of the matter is, for most of you, what you're thinking second, second about is probably going to be your reality. I hate to tell you that. You have 55 guys on a football team, for example, 55 guys think they're going to the league. Five guys are going to get that opportunity. 50 guys are not. So what you're thinking second about is probably where you're going to end up first and probably forever. And if that's going to be the case, man, who do I want to rub elbows with? Sure, you got to spend time with your teammates. And the relationships that you form with your teammates are going to last probably a lifetime but at some point stray outside of that and start forming relationships with the career-minded people that are on campus, that it would be nice to have saved in your phone once you graduate and either A, never get an opportunity to join an NFL franchise, or go join an NFL franchise and get cut in training camp, and now you need to find out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Wouldn't it be nice to look in your phone and be able to make a call to some of these important people who have probably already started a company, went to work for Dad's company, and now they think something of you, and now you can go work for Dad's company or for the company that they started or become a partner with them in starting a company or just get a legit career started and not have to go back home and live in Mom's spare bedroom. Go back to your bedroom, basically where you're laying on the bed seeing your high school jersey stuck on the wall and you're, uh, as you know, they say in the Caribbean household, you're a big stinking man. And you're sitting there in that spare bedroom being called to dinner at night by mom. that how you want to start this thing off? You had your independence as a college student living in a dorm or off campus, free from mom and dad's rules, only to find yourself back in their, in their home. So you meet some girl out and about, and you're bringing her back to mom's home. Wouldn't it be good for you, uh, after you graduate, to uh, start yourself off in a career and be able to buy yourself a home and be out on your own because you're making that kind of money in a legitimate fashion? 
got to stray outside of your comfort zone and go talk to people that don't wear a helmet and play football, the career-minded people that are on campus. So that's how you make the most out of your education. But, you know, if you're just going to go there and try to make an NFL franchise and that's the only thing that you do um, and you just do the minimum in your classes and you don't meet anyone, well then, yeah, you're right. That degree is not going to be worth the paper that it's printed on. Just something for you to think about. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. here on the East Coast, or down south, however you want to look at it, the southeastern most part of the United States, in uh, sunny Florida where it's raining right now, just so you know. But nevertheless, it is springtime, spring football is in full gear, teams are out there practicing and college coaches are showing up on campus. So I was having a discussion uh, about my brief career in the NFL and just taking a look at some of the things uh, that went on. I came out in 1995, and I was just looking at the draft that year, just going back and taking a look at it, looking at all the first-round picks. The first player taken in the year that I was drafted was a guy named Kajana Carter, running back from Penn State. Great guy. Had a chance to meet him personally. Did not work out as an NFL football player. Just didn't happen. Injured. Just never really panned out. He was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, and it just never really happened. Second pick that year was Tony Baselli. He was an offensive tackle for USC. Had an outstanding career. Hall of Fame career. Third player taken my year I came out was Steve McNair, quarterback. The late Steve McNair. 
had a great career for the Houston Oilers, led them to a Super Bowl in 1999, where they came up literally inches short of uh, beating the St. Louis Rams. Tragically, Steve McNair was murdered some years ago, but had a great career, had a, had a record-setting career as a quarterback at Alcorn State. Uh, and then a, a very good career as a Houston Oiler. The fourth pick that year was Michael Westbrook, a wide receiver from Colorado. You can call him a bust, as was the fifth pick that year by the Carolina Panthers, quarterback named Kerry Collins. Never really panned out in the league. Sixth pick was Kevin Carter, defensive end from Florida. Had a pretty good career for the St. Louis Rams. Seventh pick, Mike Mamula, defensive end from Boston College. Went and absolutely ripped up the combine. I mean, he was a workout freak. I want to say he ran a 4-5-40 or something like that. Uh, benched 225 pounds, an amazing amount of time. Uh, an outstanding athlete, maybe one of the best that ever come through the combine. He was a bust. One of the all-time big busts. As people fell in love with the measurables. Number eight was my roommate in... Uh, in camp and mini camp, the first round selection uh, for the team that I went to, the Seattle Seahawks that year, was Joey Galloway. Here's a guy that was 5'11", 188 pounds out of Ohio State, 405-pound bench press, and uh, a reported 4'140". And uh, telling you, after having had to cover the guy many, many times in the mini camps and in training camp, and in the season I spent with the Seahawks, uh, he damn well might have ran a 4-1. That guy was super explosive. Had a very long career in the NFL. Another guy with outstanding measurables, but did turn it into something. Number nine, picked that year, New York Jets, Kyle Brady, tight end. Had a decent career. Decent. The Jets had some good years, and he was a part of it. Number ten, San Francisco 49ers picked J.J. Stokes, a very tall six foot five wide receiver out of UCLA because that started to become the thing around 1995. The Dallas Cowboys were winning uh, championships, and they won championships with uh, two wide receivers, Alvin Harper, who was a 6'3", 6'4", guy, and Michael Irvin, who was a 6'3", wide receiver. So, you know, it's a copycat league, and everyone wanted to have big wide receiver. So J.J. Stokes, people like that, uh, ended up being the thing to do. Go out and get yourself a six-foot-plus wide receiver. So you know what started happening after that. You had to get really, really tall corners. And in this particular draft, a guy by the name of Bobby Taylor was drafted in the first round by the Philadelphia Eagles, who played in the same division with the Dallas Cowboys. And it's funny how the draft works like that. Teams will draft things to deal with particular things that are going on in their division. You know, most of these teams in the AFC East right now are drafting players that can help them stop whatever it is the New England Patriots are doing, and that has been the case for years. So those were your first 10 picks in the NFL draft. And I would say half of those 10 had productive NFL careers, something you could look back and be proud of. Baselli, McNair, Kevin Carter, Joey Galloway, um, and between Kyle Brady and J.J. Stokes, I'll, I'll give them a full one. So half of those guys ended up having productive NFL careers. 
And so you're saying to yourself, here's, uh, here's guys at the top of the NFL draft, and they should have great NFL careers, long NFL careers, and it doesn't happen that way. And these are guys that were taken in the first half of the first round. So what happens to guys that go in the second, third round? Face this. Think about this number. Only 32 guys are going to go in the first round of the draft every year. Do you know how many guys are playing college football? A heck of a lot more than 32. And guys really fail to understand the numbers, as they do when they're coming out of high school into college. You don't get people that will say, oh, you know, I'll just mail my information out to the coach. I'll send him an email. It's fine. You send an email. And so are thousands of other kids across the country sending an email to that coach. Why is he going to open yours? It's just not that easy. People fail to understand the numbers. They fail to understand the numbers into why um, they're having a hard time getting a scholarship. So part of what I'm going to talk about today is what does it take to be a Division I football player? What's involved in that? And there are some factors. And since, you know, a lot of people like lists, I'll tell you what some of those factors are. And I'll tell you what some of the best, biggest and best ways are for you to be a Division One football player. And some of you may not like what it is I'm telling you, but I'm just going to tell you how it is. This is just how the game works. So you can either deny that's how the game works and try to cut your own way or understand how it is and act accordingly. And so here are those things. Number one, the biggest and best way to be a Division I football player and get recruited by a Division I football school, and I'm talking about FBS, as I explained before, is to be tall. Let's be honest. Most college coaches show up to a practice uh, that tall player out on the football field is going to get seen first. They're going to ask the coach, hey, who's that big guy over there? Who's the six foot six guy that you've got over there? Who's that six foot five guy playing tackle? Who's that six foot two guy playing corner? Who's the big six foot three, six foot four guy I see running routes over there? Coach, what's the name of that big six foot three middle linebacker you've got? And that's just Coors Light, cold hard facts. When you're tall, you get looked at. Now, do you need to be coordinated? Yes. If you're going to be tall, just don't be falling down on the ground. If you can move around reasonably well, you stand a really good chance of getting an offer from a Division One FBS school. That might not make you happy if you're a sub six foot individual. If you're a five foot eight corner, that what I just said may upset you. If you're a six foot left tackle or a five eleven center, what I just said might upset you. However, that is the way that it is. And so if you're a really young guy, then get your rest. Go to sleep. I don't know how many studies there are out there about getting sleep and it, you know, relating to your height. But in the event that that is true, go to bed. Maybe you don't stay up at night till 1 a.m. texting your friends. Maybe you go to sleep at 11 and get seven, eight hours. 
because if sleeping has anything to do with your height, you want to cover that base. Because you know what? It's really nice to be six foot, six one, six two, six plus when the college coach shows up. They're gonna ask about you. I've been around long enough to seen that a ton of times, been asked that question a bunch of times. Who's the tall guy? So being tall. The next thing is being fast. Football's a fast game. They call the plays fast. We don't huddle anymore. We're trying to get fast guys in space. We're trying to get fast guys to cover fast guys in space. We want linebackers to blitz faster. We want defensive ends to be faster. We need safeties to be faster. We need running backs to be faster so they could run 60 yards. Uh, if you think speed has nothing to do with this game, then you're living in la-la land, so be fast. What's that mean? Consider going out for the track team. Your school or your football team doesn't have a legit off-season strength, conditioning, and speed development program, find the track team then yes, you may go out on a track and finish last in a race. Or you may go out there and get beat. Put your pride aside and understand that if you come out at the beginning of the season and you're running an 11,900 meters, and by the end of the season you're running an 11,500 or 11,400 meters, you're now faster. You're now a faster football player when the football season comes around. And when the ball is in your hand, you're going to be able to do more with it. Or if you're out there on defense, you're going to get to where you need to go faster than you would have otherwise if you didn't go out to that track team. So for your embarrassment and your suffering and finishing last in a race or not winning a race and having someone, you know, make fun of it, for your embarrassment, the payoff for you is going to be you're going to make more plays when the season comes. So at the end of the day, you'll be able to say, yep, I got beat on the track, but look what I did this season. I had five interceptions. I caught ten touchdowns. I had five runs of 60 yards or more. It's a difficult thing for most young ones to understand, which is sacrificing now for a payoff later. It's just really not how young guys, teenagers, live life. They need payment now. This is one of those things where you're just going to have to make an investment. Part of the investment may be suffering a little bit of embarrassment. And if you're a young guy, if you go out there as a freshman and you get smoked, you got your sophomore year to come back and fix it. you got your junior year to come back and fix it. And if you stick with it, you train hard as a track athlete. I have rarely seen someone run track four years in high school and by their senior year not being able to do some kind of serious damage on the track. Four-year track athletes as seniors usually fare very well. So you can go out there early and, you know, have your ego take a hit and let that just bury you and quit. Or you could stick with it, which is going to be one of the lessons of life anyway. And, man, by your junior, senior year, now you're the one out there leaving people in the dust. So uh, nothing really sticks out at a practice or on a game field than someone moving faster than everyone else. So when that college coach shows up to the practice and you're moving really fast, you're that defensive end that continues to get into the backfield, or you're the receiver that takes a slant in practice and and splits two defenders and gets all the way to the end zone, or you're some defensive back that's running stride for stride downfield with everyone and breaking up passes or getting interceptions, coach is going to ask your coach, the college coach is going to ask your coach, hey, who's that guy? Being tall and or running fast really sticks out. So what's another factor in being a Division I uh, recruit? Look strong. If you've got pencil legs sticking out through your uniform, 
where your arms look like two big pencils or big pens or number two pencils and looks like you've never touched a weight, it's going to be hard for you to get recruited, point blank period. If you don't look like you're dedicated at all to your craft, no kind of muscle tone, especially if you're a junior in high school, you can't be upset when you're not getting recruited. If you don't look strong, you better be fast as all hell or tall. But if you're not tall, not you don't have elite speed because sometimes those two things can be kind of genetic. You better be pounding the weights. And you better look a certain kind of way. You ever seen a college coach come up to a prospect and he's touching and he's feeling all over his shoulders and, hey, man, college coaches want to know that you're built sturdy because the last thing they want is to put their neck on the line for a recruit, bring him up to school, and he's constantly in the tub getting hurt because his body can't withstand the punishment of college football. He's always got a shoulder or he's got a knee or a rib hurt or elbow or something. You got to be sturdy. You got to look strong. You got to look a certain way. When your high school coach calls you down to the office to be seen by a college coach, he's going to look you over and make some generalizations about you. Is it fair? No. Is that the way that it is? Yes. How it is? You better look strong. You better come through that door and look like you've been in someone's weight room. So so far, if you're 0 for 3, it's not looking good for you as being a Division One recruit. And so don't start running around blaming other people if you're not getting offers. Because I've seen that. Not fast, not tall, and you don't really care for the weight room, but you want to know where your offers are. When you know where your offers are, they are going to someone else that has one of or all of the factors that I've already discussed. And the fourth and final thing, that can uh, help you be a FBS Division One recruit is to know your strengths and your weaknesses. Be a highly skilled athlete. Spend some time on your craft. When the off season comes, you're not involved in another sport, which you know more and more kids aren't. You better be spending some time working on your craft. And if you're a quarterback, ultra ultra important. You better be getting in some throwing and getting in some work, preferably with a knowledgeable and trustworthy quarterback coach. Those moments spent in the offseason with uh, a trainer, a quarterback trainer, can be outstanding in helping your skill level. So not only are we're not just talking about um, getting attention from a college program, it's about you being an even better quarterback that can help your team win games when the fall comes back around. So that's twofold. But if you're a quarterback and you're not spending any time in the offseason throwing and improving uh, yourself as a quarterback, a complete quarterback, and I'm not just mean throwing, like the entire, you know, the entire process of being a quarterback, being able to read defenses, even working on handoffs, working on your play fakes, everything involved in being a quarterback. If you're not doing anything to improve on that in the offseason, don't be surprised when no offers come your way. But the same goes for all of the positions. Find some time, even if you're playing another sport, to put a little bit of time in each week into developing your skill uh, at your particular position. So if that's defensive back, 
get some work in as a defensive back. Put yourself through some drills. If there happens to be a good camp in your area where you can get that kind of work, strongly consider doing it. Put in some extra time. Same for wide receivers, running backs, offensive, defensive linemen, linebackers, everyone. Receivers, you need to catch some balls in the offseason. Don't be that guy who only catches balls in the fall and think you're going to put up big numbers this year and schools are going to be after you. They're not. They won't be. You'll drop balls. You'll be inconsistent. You'll be rusty. Develop your skill level and then know your strengths. Improve on your weaknesses. And you can have all that on full display when the spring comes around and even more so when the season comes around. It'll show up on film. Have a skill level. So if you're not tall, you're not fast, hopefully you're hitting the weight room and you look strong, but even if you don't have that, your last saving grace is to be highly skilled at what you do. It will be difficult for you to be looked at by a school if you don't have one, two, or three. But there is a chance you may, because I've seen it happen, get an offer from a Division One school just off of being highly skilled at your position. It may impress a school enough for them to offer you. So those are those four things. And quickly, just to recap, for those of you joining in late, be tall, be fast, look strong, or be highly skilled at your position. One has a lot to do with genetics. To a certain degree, number two is as well, although speed can be developed, even for those who think it can't. Number three is certainly something you can control, which is look strong, get in a weight room, you lift weights, you eat your food, you take some protein, you'll have that look. That's something you can definitely control, as you can with number four, put the time in and the work in. I've seen guys who just don't want to do much in the off season and wonder why schools aren't looking at them. And I look at them like, what do you think this is? This college football, man, coaches are getting paid a lot of money. Head coaches getting two, three, four, five, six, seven million dollars to do their job. Assistants getting two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred. You got coordinators making a million dollars plus now. You think they're gonna put their million dollar job on the line for someone who doesn't want to put in the maximum effort? Sometimes a coach can look at you and know you don't put in that work. And they don't want to bring you on as a prospect and go through that with you and make themselves look bad. So we'll talk next about the mind of the college football recruiter and what they have to deal with on their end. Maybe you'll understand what it is they have to go through and why it is a little bit more difficult than you think to get that offer from that school. We'll talk about that and more when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. 
turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Talking recruiting, recruiting question and answer, just a little bit of insight into recruiting. Always a great time to do this during this time of the year because it is the spring evaluation period. And what does that mean? It is a time where college coaches can actually get around to uh, to high school campuses and uh, view the players live and in color. So they can go into your high school, go talk to your high school coach, see a video on you. And uh, if you're in a state where you participate in spring practice, they can come out and watch you at spring practice, watch you move around, see your size, uh, and catch uh, all those things about you that they need to catch. And part of what they are doing is evaluating your practice habits, your practice demeanor, your leadership skills, all of those things are all on display. Before we launch into our discussion, let me take a phone call and uh, see what we've got on the line here. Hello, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hello. Man, I want yes. can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, I just wanted to say, man, you got a great thing going on. I'm listening to you all the way from Houston, Texas. Oh wow, great. The Lone Star State. And I know how much foot high school football means out there. Oh well actually I'm originally from Miami, Florida, but uh yeah, I, I Well du- I'm, well then double that. Keep... <laughs> exactly. I try to keep keep up to date with what's going down what's going on up down there in Dade, and uh, man, you're a great act, uh, uh, commodity to me. Thank you. I I really really appreciate that, and and want to thank you for listening to the show. Did you have a question today? Because if you don't, I've got one for you. Well, actually, I do. Um, how do you feel about uh, recruits committing early? Uh, you know, maybe sophomore, junior year, uh, and for my for my uh 
from my uh, knowledge and what I've seen is when recruits uh, commit early to a college, it seems that it deters other college from uh, recruiting that recruit. So do you think it's a good uh, idea to commit early? Well, there's no there's there's no clean cut clear answer to that because uh, there's you know there's different feelings about it. I'm not in favor of a of a kid committing in his sophomore year uh, because having watched this several several times, um, the the mind of a high school football player or a high school student is ever evolving. So it usually works like this. This is how I break this down. As a freshman. The high school prospect wants to go to the school that they grew up rooting for um, all their life. That's what they want yeah. to do. As as a sophomore, if they've been fortunate enough to play already, they want to go to the first school that offers them. Uh, their junior year, uh, they want to go to the school that happens to be winning right now. And then by their yeah, and then by their senior year. They want to go to the school that is the best opportunity for them, usually to start. So you see how those changes went? So, uh, you know, if you're recruiting your sophomore year, your mind hasn't totally developed yet. You probably haven't had enough time to review and reflect on the process. And and committing at that point uh, not only robs you of the full recruiting process, probably could at some point put you at odds with the school because you're going to, have feelings of wanting to flip your commitment. Um, and to answer your other question, it is not always the case that when a kid commits early, it shuts down their recruiting process. For some of the kids that are highly recruited or do possess the kind of skills that would be um, highly sought after by colleges, sometimes that invites more schools to recruit them. And oh, okay. the other thing that it does, the other thing that it does is it lets those new schools that come in know what school they need to attack. So let's say, for instance, you have a son and he commits to a school as a sophomore. He commits to the University of Miami. Now Florida, Florida State, Texas, and everyone else that comes in to recruit him knows who they need to recruit against. So now they can be negative about the University of Miami. Whereas if the kid has 10, 15 offers and he hasn't committed to anyone, the schools that come in later don't know who they need to attack. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so a lot of times that's what happens when a kid recruits early. I usually say when a kid recruits as sophomore year or he, you know, he commits in his going into his junior year or even during his junior year, that all that lets me know is that's the school he's not going to go to. Cuz a majority <laughs> of those uh, yeah, majority of those kids end up um decommitting and and flipping to another school. I've seen that happen time well, and again. And the mind's just not developed at that age. Man, that's, that's some valuable information, and uh, I think you're right on point with your assessment of that topic. So. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen it quite some time. I'm going through the whole college football recruiting process again for the second time with one of my kids. Obviously, I run a recruiting website, so I've been through it many, many times, but close up, close up, this is my second time going through it. Um, and My older one did not make a decision until going into his senior year, and he had carefully – um, gone through the whole process. He would he would sit down on a college football Saturday and watch games and open up his laptop and go to the school's roster and look at the rosters. I mean, he did his oh, okay. research, and and he and, and I I would encourage you as a parent if you have a kid going through it, encourage them to do that because not only is it good for this 
particular decision in this process, you're teaching your kid how to make a decision because they're going to have to buy a home. They're going to have to marry a woman, which is probably the most important decision they'll ever make. And if they do that half-assed, I don't need to tell you how that's going to go down for them. And they're going to need to choose a job, a career. And this is just the beginning of the decision-making process for them. So you want to, on this first one, this first big decision, encourage them to do it the right way. Do research, ask questions, and then make an educated decision. Yes, that's most definitely, yes. and that and that is uh, what I talked to my son about. Uh, we talked about it actually before his commission aid. You know, um, mm-hmm. how many how many uh, positions? I mean, recruits are are they recruiting in that same position for maybe the year prior or you know his current year? You know, so exactly. I mean, that's a lot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, depth chart, who are they recruiting now, uh, you know, what style do they play, does it fit you? There's a lot of factors that go in there. It's best to, at the beginning of the process, list the things that are important to you. Uh, and, and, of course, the academic factors involved, do they have your major and, 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 you know, the strength of their network and the alumni and all that. You list all that stuff and you go through the checklist as you as you uh, um, come in contact with schools that are recruiting you. Go right through the list, do your research. And, and don't just accept everything at face value. Do your own research. Hear what they're telling you, because every school is going to tell you that they've got the number one business school. We've got the number one medical school. Uh, we have the number one engineering school. Well, I've grown up to know only one. Only you can only be, have one number one. But everyone's going to tell you, um, and so you take that information and then you know you go do your own research and don't just take things at face value. Their job is to tell you what. They need to tell you to get you on campus. Your job is to find out exactly what the real deal is. Um, what's your son's name? Here's some chance to, to give him a little bit of pub. What's your son's name? Where does he go to school? All that. Oh, man. I, 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 I'm going to refrain from that information until I talk to him. And, you know, uh, <laughs> well, well, okay. I can under- yeah, he's thinking about decommitting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I, 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 I don't want to put his information out there until he uh, officially makes the announcement. Wow, okay. Well, in that case, I could certainly understand that. And and if you feel comfortable, um, you could have him email me, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. And, um, you know, if he's got any questions about it and uh, or, you know, he could talk about some of the things that are bothering him. Maybe I have some good advice for him. Maybe not. But, again, uh, I'm a resource, and, and he can use it, and maybe I could shed some information uh, or some light on the situation that he hasn't considered. So, hey, listen, I appreciate you calling in, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to me out in Houston, All right, Texas. man. I'll All right. Thank you. I'll be listening, man. All right. Thank you. Lone Star State checking in. Uh, you know, one of the great states in the country for uh, high school football. And some would say it's the number one place for high school football. Of course, folks down here in Florida would disagree with that. People in California would have something to say in Ohio and all that. Always the constant battle, but uh, there's no way that you can argue against the passion that they have for high school football out in the state of Texas. And so call in there from Houston. Okay. Um, heading into the break, I was going to talk about what uh, what's at stake for college coaches when they go out. And let me just give you an idea of what it is for them. Uh, a lot of times there will be recruiting meetings. Let me say not a lot of times. There are recruiting meetings before these college coaches head out on the road. And uh, basically the coordinators 
will uh, tell the position coaches that are going out, here's what we need and here's what we would like at this position. Here's here's the kind of player we need right here. Uh, we need we need six foot corners because right now on our roster, coach, we've got a couple of five nine five ten guys. And last year when we played such and such university, they had some six foot three guys that we weren't able to handle. So we at least we at least need one six foot corner, preferably two, to come in here and, and allow us to handle that situation next time. Or you know what, Coach, what we need is we we, we had a decent running game last year, uh, but we really don't have any breakaway guys. What we have are some really hard-nosed running backs that can get us four or five yards. But you know what we really need to break games open uh, is a, a we need we need a track guy at running back. We need a 4-4, four, 4-3 four, four, guy at running back. And it goes like that. And so when they hit out on the road, they're looking for specific things specific characteristics and things of that nature. And while uh, they do need to follow that protocol, sometimes a coach is out, and you'll see a player that doesn't necessarily fit the parameters that have been given, but uh, is a good player, and they would like to bring that player back. They may like to, but sometimes they just can't. Because the coach sent you out saying, we need six-foot corners. So now he can't come back in the room after the recruiting meeting, then he's been out on the road, and crack open his book and show the head coach and his coordinator four five foot nine, five foot ten, five foot eight cornerbacks. He's gonna have a problem with the head coach and the coordinator when he does that. They're gonna to want to know what the hell he's doing out there. And do you want to continue to have that area? Or maybe you know what coach, I think we're gonna switch you out of South Florida. We're going to send you over to, to the northeast somewhere. We're going to send you to Delaware and New Hampshire. And uh, the other coach is going to go down there to South Florida. And let me tell you something. None of the coaches want to lose their Florida recruiting ground. They, they just don't want that for multiple reasons. Number one, it's talent rich. Number two, the weather is great. Number three, it's just great to be down here in South Florida. If you're going to be out on the trail recruiting, and you have to be when you're a college coach, South Florida is where you want to be at this time of the year. And any coach that tells you otherwise is probably not being truthful with you. So um, some of their hands are tied. So they, you know, you can't get upset when it's not that. So let me tell you something. If you're undersized, not really measuring up to the speed, but you know you're a good football player, you can't afford to sit around crying that you're not getting an FBS offer. Chase it. But in the interim, you don't chase away FCS schools and turn your nose up to that. You don't turn your nose up to Division II schools. They're playing good football. They're, in, some places, in some places, they're playing great football in FCS, Division I, AA, and, and uh, Division II. Hell, in Division III, Mount Union, they have an empire going there. They play good football there. There's great coaching. It's a great experience. They pack the stadium. They're in the playoffs every year. They win championships. It's a great experience. So if you're a five foot ten linebacker that can really, really play the game, please don't sit around crying about the fact that Ohio State is not offering you. Take a look at a Mount Union or a Division II school. You can go there, play to the max of your abilities, and maybe you're an all time great at one of these schools. 
Maybe you're an all-time great at that FCS or Division II or Division Three or NAIA school. An all-time great. You start for three or four years. You're a legend. And you garner the attention of an NFL team that will bring you in for a tryout or may invite you to the combine. A great example of that is Henderson State, which is probably not familiar to very many people out there. Probably not. Probably never really heard of Henderson State. Henderson State is a Division II school. And so because it's not, uh, you know, Florida State or USC or Florida or Texas or one of these schools that's playing on TV, you just don't want to be bothered with it. Well, I'll tell you what. Henderson State has had a 4,000-yard passer in three of their last four seasons. They just graduated a passer that had 4,000-plus back-to-back. And as a result, Henderson State, the school you've never heard of, has a quarterback that signed a free agent contract after this most recent draft with the Houston Texans. And a wide receiver who's signed with San Francisco 49ers. They now have an opportunity to make an NFL team and continue their NFL playing career from lowly old Henderson State, who you never saw on television and just don't really care to take a look at. I'm telling you, you go where you can be great, you go where you're wanted, you go where your talent will be appreciated, and you and you do it to the max, and it's just like I was talking to you about the education, the experience is going to be what you make it. For those of you who don't know, I didn't play all of my years at the University of Miami. I started off at a place called Long Beach State that doesn't even have a football program anymore. And though it was FBS or Division One at the time, you had a hard time knowing it if you walked around uh, the football facilities. You had to get in a fist fight with the trainer to get pre-wrap on your ankles to get taped up. The budget was that tight. We were sponsored by Converse. Go ahead and start laughing. You got one pair of cleats for the year. And the only way you were getting another one is if the thing looked like it had done a couple tours in Iraq. Otherwise, those Converse were yours all year long for practice and for the game. And when I say the locker room had real lockers, I'm talking, yeah, the lockers that you have in P.E. in high school. It was that kind of operation. I had a really good time at Long Beach State. Made some lifelong friends. We had a great time. First season, we had a winning record. And when we won the last game against UNLV to finish 6-5, and five, well, we might as well have won a bowl game. It was that kind of an atmosphere. Stadium was full. Everyone was happy. It was great. Great time. Now, granted, stadium sat 12,500 people. It was a great experience because you made it that. And the campus life was outstanding. Had a great time. It was what it made it. By the second year, the program folded. I was out of there, and I was fortunate enough to come to the University of Miami and play big-time football for the number one team in the country. Great. It worked out for me. But I'm going to tell you, my time at Long Beach State was outstanding. I had a great time at Long Beach State. 
And Long Beach State in this day and age would be the equivalent to a FCS or a Division II school, to be quite honest with you. When you talk about facilities, budget, uh, attendance, hence the reason the program got cut. It just was not on the Division I level, and after examining things, it just didn't make sense for them to drop down to Division I, AA, or Division II. Didn't matter. I had a great time. And you know what? We had several players from that team make it to the National Football League and have really great careers. We had a wide receiver by the name of Mark Say, played a good six, seven years in the uh, National Football League and played in the Super Bowl for the San Diego Chargers. And not just was on the team, he was a starting wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers. The biggest name to come out of uh, Long Beach State University is running back Terrell Davis, who rushed for 2,000 yards one season and was a Super Bowl MVP for the Denver Broncos. We're talking one of maybe eight or nine guys off of that team at Long Beach State that had a shot at the NFL. Were we at USC? No, we're at Long Beach State, and we made what we could out of it. So please, don't turn your nose up to it. With the uh, remaining amount of time that I have here, I just want to quickly go over the differences between FBS, FCS, and Division II. Just the very uh, basic differences. For Division One, they can have 85 players on scholarship. To be quite honest with you, FBS schools can make a few more mistakes in recruiting than the other divisions. They have a bigger budget. So in essence, I hate to put it this way, they can waste a little more money than Division One AA, which is FCS or Division Two. So they can make a mistake. They can have a few more gravy trainers, as I would call them, on, this, on, on the roster. And by gravy train, I mean guys that are just there uh, to complete their academic uh, requirements. They're going to do the minimum at practice, won't play in games, and they're just there to follow the minimum requirements so that they can get their degree. They just probably never should have come to the school to play football because they're just never going to make it onto the field. Those are the gravy trainers. With 85 scholarships, uh, a Division I school can get away with a couple few more than the other divisions. Uh, FCS, Division I, AA, they only get 63 scholarships. They can't really make mistakes like that. So I'm telling you this to tell you this. If you're not, and I see this happening as well, because to be quite honest with you, FCS schools are trying to recruit the same kind of schools as FBS. They're trying to recruit the same prospects. They're looking for those type of prospects. Division One is Division One in their eyes. And a lot of times they will hold back some scholarship offers to try and nab FBS recruits who have something go wrong, whether it's academic or uh, a late uh, they get dropped late by the school that they were committed to, and they will swoop in and, and snap up a kid like that. And again, FCS schools cannot make the kind of mistakes FBS schools make. So nine times out of ten, if they recruit a kid, the kid also, apart from you know being able to play his position, also needs to be able to, to be a special teams player. So some of you guys in high school that are not big-time elite recruits that want to turn your nose up, to being on the kickoff team because you're a starter. I'm a starter. I don't need to be on the kickoff team. You know, I don't need to be. I don't need to be the wing on the field goal team. I want to practice being a long snapper. 
I don't want to be a gunner on the punt team. Some of you guys out there that are to- turning your nose up to that, you may be affecting your ability to get a scholarship. And some of this stuff just never becomes a reality to some kids until it becomes a reality. You never thought about the fact that I might not get recruited by a, an FBS school. I'm you know, not going to get recruited by Penn State. You didn't think about that. So now what do I need to do? Now I'm looking to get an offer from Appalachian State. And now Appalachian State is looking at you and another guy for that one spot they have remaining. And the other guy they're looking at runs down on kickoffs. He's a gunner on punt. And you know what? He's also on the field goal team as well. Guess what? They're going to take that guy before they take you. Because not only can he play tight end or uh, not only can he play defensive end or linebacker, guess what? We could just plug that kid in on our special teams too, and we don't have to you know, spend a whole bunch of time coaching him up. He looks like a better recruit than the other guy that was on no special teams, turning his nose up because he's a quote-unquote starter. So that's the deal for FCS schools. If they can get a kid that can play his position and special teams, he becomes a lot more valuable. So now, since you didn't want to be on special teams – you're not an FCS recruit either. Now you've got to think about Division Two. And Division Two schools, they will have something around, you know, 35 scholarships, but it doesn't really work that way. What they do is get a certain amount of money, and a lot of times what they'll do is split that money up amongst all of the players that they're bringing in. So whereas Division One schools... You either get a full scholarship or you get nothing. You're either a full scholarship player or you're a walk-on. The case is different for FCS and especially Division II. It's a whole lot more rare to get a full scholarship from a Division II school. You may get a tremendous amount of money, but those coaches in Division II have to be very smart about how they divide up the money that they have and break it up amongst the people on their roster because, you know, all these kids are going to need help by and large. And it becomes almost like the NFL where you have a salary cap. So instead of giving you a full scholarship, they'll give you $40,000 to go to their $50,000 school. So can they afford to make mistakes? Hell no, they can't. Because if they're doling out $35,000 to you, you better be a player that can play. So as you see, the mistakes are less. And then the division FCS schools and the Division II schools have a smaller budget overall, so it's a little bit more difficult for them to get around and see players. So they have to do a lot of recruiting from the Internet, from highlight videos, from game tapes, and they rely a lot more on recruiting services to show them where the players are. That's just the cold hard truth on that. It's important the relationships that they establish with people in the uh, local areas and with recruiting services such as the Gridiron Studs. They rely heavily on um, our ability to tell them where the talent is and evaluation on players. They can't book flights and spend weeks in uh, an area paying hotel uh, bills while their coaches go around driving in rented cars, spending gas, looking at players. They just don't have a budget for it. So they rely heavily on uh, being able to recruit from a distance. 
And in that case, that's where it becomes even more crucial for you to have connections or for you to have someone like Gridiron Studs or myself, Chad Wilson, working in your favor, contacting these schools for you and letting these colleges know that you exist and that you're of quality and that you can come to school and make plays for them and be worth the thirty-five dollars or $40,000 that they may be giving you. So if you're sitting around trying to do this stuff on your own, you better have some contacts. And it's going to have to be more than just you have an email address for a coach because I'm telling you they're getting thousands of emails. And so now how are they going to pick yours out? I know my emails get opened because I've provided them with information that they've used. My ability to evaluate players. They know I'm a coach. They know I've played the game. They know I'm currently a coach. They know I know the area. They know my background. And I have a long established history with these schools. And that goes from FBS all the way down. And so when I send them an email, they're going to open it, and they're going to look at what's in the email, and they're going to take a look at those players. They're going to do that. Does that mean they're going to offer you a scholarship? No. That means they'll take a look. If you meet the standards and the requirements for what they're looking for, then, yes, they will contact you, and they'll talk about offering you a scholarship or scholarship money. There are no guarantees. I can't make a school give you a scholarship if they don't want to do that. Now, there's some... Individuals out there that will tell you that, oh, I can guarantee you a scholarship. And when someone guarantees you a scholarship, that they can get you a scholarship, it's one of two things. A, they're lying, or B, the circumstances under which they're going to do that is not going to be good for you personally. That means they're going to do something backhanded, or they're going to work some kind of deal that involves another player that the school really wants And in the process, to get that player they really want, they're going to have to get you. And so what do you think happens when you land on that campus? They got you there, and they didn't really want you. What they really wanted was someone else. How do you think they're going to treat you? You think they're going to throw you right out there to play? Not going to happen. You will be on scholarship, but probably be treated like a walk-on. And if those are the circumstances under which you want to earn a scholarship, and I use that term earn loosely, if that's the way you want to get a scholarship to a school, then by all means, go ahead. But let me tell you, let me put you down on what's going to happen. You're going to get treated like a walk-on. And some of these coaches don't have any kind of a filter. They'll bring you there, and they're going to berate you, and and their sole mission may be to, yes, I did this favor, but right now I am going to Make this experience so bad for you that you eventually decide you want to transfer. And now I can get that scholarship back as a coach. I can get the scholarship back that I wasted on you. And I can use that to go out and get a player I really, really wanted. Or you continue to hold that scholarship, but I guarantee you, you're just holding a roster spot right now because I'm going out and I'm looking for a guy to replace you on the depth chart for the next incoming class. Or maybe even at JUCO level. 
a scholarship offer. Yes, mom or dad can go to, to the office and say, oh, my son got a, an offer to Oklahoma State. He's going to be an Oklahoma Sooner. He's going to go be a Nebraska Cornhusker. You can go around the office trumpeting that fact, but you're not really of that quality, of that ilk, and you're going to suffer. But mom or dad can go say that, or the handler mentor that promised you a scholarship can go thump his chest and go talk to a group of other people and say, well, I got him that offer to Nebraska. I got him that offer to Wisconsin. Look at what I could do. And so he's happy. Maybe mom and dad are happy. But you, the player, you're the least happiest person in this whole deal because you're getting treated like a pile of crap. It's not what you want. Get Go where your talent can be appreciated, where you can grow and develop, and where you can get on the field and mature as a player and be seen. That's my message to you today, because you're going to hear a lot of things in the recruiting process. And if I didn't cover some of the things that you've heard today, I'm always available. You can reach me. First of all, uh, if you're on Twitter, where a lot of people are, you can reach me there, at Gridiron Studs. Tweet me there. And if we're following each other, you can send me a direct message. Otherwise, you can send me an email, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. You need some help with recruiting. Recruiting process has gotten a little confusing, need some consultation, need an evaluation done on you, need some general recruiting advice, send me an email, cwilson at gridironstuds.com, and we can talk about it and go from there, try and make sense of it all. But I really enjoy doing these shows, uh, informing the public at large, because again, for parents, things get to be a little difficult. The recruiting process gets difficult, gets complicated, gets frustrating, and uh, it's it's good to be able to provide that information. I can't stress this to you enough. It is very important for you to get this help early rather than late. Every year I get people that come to me in January of their senior year trying to get recruiting help. And some of you I know have been members of Gridiron Studs. You've been receiving information from me. You've been listening to the radio show for uh, a year or several years and you've ignored me, and then you come at the end. And yes, I know they're procrastinators in life. Don't let that be you. Get help early. Make an investment in yourself. It will pay off. One way or another, it's going to pay off for you. So get the help early rather than late. All right, we reached the end of the show here. I enjoyed doing this. I'm back on on Thursday, same time, 10 a.m. here. And for all of you who listened today, I'd like to thank you for doing that. My listeners make me a featured show here on Blog Talk Radio, so I really appreciate that. And until Thursday, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.